Welcome to another week of Mum Will Know with me, Claire Wind, midwife and mum. Join me each week as we delve into topics from conception to kids in kindy with the aim to become confident and well-informed mums. Hey guys, so great to have you listening in today. Uh, This episode, I'm chatting with Chris Barnes from the Gidget Foundation all about birth trauma which is particularly well-timed as this week is Birth Trauma Awareness Week. In this conversation, Chris talks through how birth trauma can stem from a wide range of situations and experiences, whether that's like physical life and death scenarios that every parent dreads or experiencing a birth maybe that went differently to how you'd expected or planned and finding that actually really hard to deal with. You know, you might have feelings of disappointment or failure or disconnect even to your baby or your partner. We talk through how birth trauma can affect families, including how trauma is felt by not only the mother but her partner as well. And Chris shares some tips on how to recover from a traumatic birth experience, especially if you're trying or planning another baby. This is another aspect to birth that I think is really important to be talking about because not everyone has a positive birth experience, so we need to be normalizing this conversation and caring for each other more. So I really, I hope you enjoy it. Hi, Chris. Thanks uh, so much for chatting with me today. I guess just to start us off, would you mind sharing a little bit about yourself, your family, and what you do for work? Oh, hi, Claire. Look, it's lovely to be with you. Um, I am the clinical team leader at the Gidget Foundation. Um, But before sort of coming into that role, which was only this year, I worked for almost six years as one of the clinical psychologists there. I love my work. Most of us absolutely very passionate about what we do. Um, But I guess before that, just to tell you, I've had a bit of experience with foster care and adoption and women's health um, and working with children who were really um, what we term emotionally disturbed, but often like primary age kids who'd been suspended numerous times at school and working with them and their families. So lots of family therapy and play therapy and and then, but I always had like such a passion for women and babies and attachment work. So that sort of led me towards Gidget and running groups for mums and babies and then more intense work at Gidget. I also have two children, but we're empty nesters now, my husband and I. Um, we have two crazy cats that hopefully won't interrupt this podcast <laughs> with any of their activities. Um, but yeah, I have a, a 25-year-old girl and a 22-year-old boy who are both out of home and um, living their lives. Yeah. So that's really me and, and, and my role at Gidget. Lovely. And can you give us a rundown of what Gidget or the Gidget Foundation is? Mm. So it was set up about almost 20 years ago now after a woman whose nickname was Gidget took her own life because of undiagnosed and untreated Um, what they termed then postnatal depression. So a group of her friends and family got together and started this organisation. So we are a non-for-profit and we support our new and expectant parents Australia-wide now. And we do, we have a couple of programs. We have um, a Start Talking program. So we talk to people in rural and remote locations and do counselling via telehealth. And we have a face-to-face counselling program. We have about 13 offices now, which is amazing, starting off from our one little spot in North Sydney. Mm. Um, 
And obviously now with COVID, everything is telehealth. Uh, We also run groups, some uh, support groups for new mums with babies with their partners as well. And we do a lot of community awareness and advocacy for just increasing awareness about perinatal anxiety, depression or anything really that, that goes on, you know, in that early perinatal period. And we have a Facebook support group, which is a new a wonderful resource for new mums that they can join and it's peer, it's a peer group led thing it is moderated by Gidget staff but it's a wonderful way of getting support from other people in your situation so that's going really well too and that's called the Gidget virtual village awesome that sounds like a really good resource for women yeah because often they um they find that it's easiest to talk to people who are in the same boat or understand what's going on. So that sounds like a great kind of peer support uh, option. Yeah. I guess I've spoken a few episodes ago with Julie from Panda about perinatal mental Mm. health disorders as a whole, um, how Mm. common they are, and we touched on how important it is to be normalising the conversation around mental health in order to better help women and their families. Uh, But one important part of that conversation that we didn't really delve into much was childbirth trauma, and I wanted to mm. focus today on on that, on those birth experiences that may be disappointing or sad, they may be scary, or they're the ones that women, yeah, don't normally want to talk about, that, you know, they may have yeah. missed out on that oxytocin high or the, you know, initial moment of bonding or love with their baby that they hear so much about, mm. uh, and, yeah, they're the experiences that maybe women don't really go into childbirth expecting. Um, I think that's probably one of the hardest things about childbirth, that there are a lot of factors that are out of our control. Um, And sometimes we do go in with a bit of a plan or an idea for what we want to happen. But because for any, who who knows what reason, but for some reason things don't go as planned. Um, And sometimes mum and baby can even be safe and all looks well, but the woman still feels disappointed or ashamed or Mm. that she's missed out. Do you have any thoughts, I guess, to begin with on how women can process a birth that didn't go as she would have liked? Definitely do have some thoughts around that. But just to sort of go back to what you said about birth trauma, it's a really interesting um, topic to talk about. And I'm so glad you've taken it on because it's, it's a very silent topic out there in the community. I think there is a lot of shame around it. And there's been research done and, and some women are not even able to because of lots of different reasons, even tell their specialists, you know, when they go for their six-week check, if they've had mm. tearing and and other sort of physical issues afterwards, they're not even able to share that with their with their health professionals. So a lot of them go untreated, you know, which means they are suffering for a lot longer, mm. um, which is really, really sad. So I think it's a really good topic to bring up and talk about. And thank you for sort of highlighting that. So There are lots of reasons why women experience it. You've been through some already. But I think it's a very subjective thing and it means that it doesn't, like if we think of birth trauma, it doesn't have to be life-threatening or medically traumatic to have like an impact on women. It's just sort of how they experience their their birth, I think, really, and what they internalise that and what meaning they make of it. And like you said, like what expectations they had versus what the reality is. So it's it's a good thing not to be judgmental about because it doesn't have to be life-threatening to actually, 
you know, have sort of an impact on you and have psychological and, and physical sort of ramifications. So I think if we understand that, that's a really good sort of start. Um, and we want women going through it to feel less shame and hopefully more able to sort of speak up about it. Um, every birth experience is different, you know, and it's valid and worthy of acknowledgement with treatment and recovery options given to them. So how best to sort of process it? It's important to have a range of interventions, I think, and every woman will be different, you know. Like I guess when we see someone, we try and customise what we do depending on what they've maybe experienced before or what they like, what they don't like, um, personality factors, like all sorts of things we sort of take into account as well as the experience of the birth trauma or the birth experience that they had. So some some interventions might be psychological, you know, like talking with a perinatal specialist about what happened and debriefing about that. Some might be physical, like that we might recommend that they get another opinion or go and get their physical symptoms checked if they haven't been able to do that. Mm. Um, and some might be self-help stuff, you know, things that people can actually do themselves. And sometimes that's just enough to have a talk with someone about what happened and then go home, talk to their partners more about it, maybe if they haven't been able to do that. And and self-help things like just looking after themselves physically with gentle exercise or or specific physio around pelvic floor stuff if that's been affected. Um, and, and tell, you know, maybe their their parents if they have those around or a friend, like sort of talking through it, I think can be helpful. And look at sometimes there's medication involved as well, depending on what, what that particular woman is dealing with. So I think a good starting point is to just have a think about how it's affecting your life. And, you know, is there anything you can do to sort of make this a little bit easier on yourself and get some support or by talking with someone or your GP or your specialist midwife? Or do you need more help? Like, is it really impacting on your day-to-day functioning? You know, your relationships with people or is it impacting on your attachment with your new little baby because it just feels so awful and in a way they're the reason that you're going through this, you mm. know, because of the birth, this is why you you are dealing with all of this. So I think we need to help her really understand that her trauma has happened and to help her work through it in whatever way that we possibly can. I guess we look at has that happened before to them, any sort of other traumas? Because sometimes a birth trauma can bring up other past traumas that people have had as well, especially if they've had maybe a sexual assault and felt very out of control and then that's what happened during the birth process. So some women actually don't even maybe remember that sexual assault until the birth has happened. So that would need working through. If we know that someone has had a sexual assault or other trauma before, if they're with a health professional talking about it, we can help them plan Uh, a little bit about what might help during the birth process Mm. but we don't always know that or they don't even know themselves so it's tricky so I think it's got to be a multidisciplined approach lots of different things depending on what that woman really needs sometimes they write their experiences down and they keep it for themselves or they share it and that can be healing as well Yeah, so there's various sort of interventions that psychologists would use and all sorts of different therapies. And there's EMDR, schema therapy, grounding skills, trauma-informed mindfulness, act work, movement therapy. So there's lots, right? So it's really just working out what 
what they need and then what maybe that therapist's skill set is as well, but making sure that it's a good sort of fit. Mm. Yeah, okay. There's so much in there that I, I feel like I want to keep going into <laughs> a bit more. Yeah. Um, one idea is this um, idea that you've got a healthy baby, why are you complaining? And I think you were saying like you have to really validate or um, yeah, not judge women's own uh, experience and the way that they felt about their experience yeah. like you know we could look on look at it um written down that what's happened and just think that was a great birth but then their perspective of it may be the complete opposite that it was really quite traumatic and yeah, so exactly yeah I think that's really challenging for us like or for healthcare providers but also for friends and family mm. to be really um not just assuming that things are all fine and they've got a healthy baby so everything's fine um or it was just one day, you know, not stress about your birth. It was just one day and you've got a happy, healthy baby, you know, move on kind of thing. Mm. But, yeah, mm. really taking and listening uh, to the, yeah, the feelings and emotions that come from the woman's own experience is really important. It really is, isn't it? There is so much there. I think that that judgment thing is very very important to sort of try and get the word out in our society about that, that there isn't judgment or shame. This is just something that happened in your amazing attempts to get this baby on the outside. Mm. Right? And so much can happen. And, and in a way, a lot of women feel like they've sacrificed a lot, I think, too, physically, emotionally, to actually, you know, to get this baby out. Yeah. And if there's been all these other repercussions and it hasn't felt right and just was traumatic in whatever way it was for them to actually go through it I think is really helpful some women don't want to do it though you know or they don't realize the impact on their life that it's having that having they think it's normal to feel like this after a birth or um, and just the adjustment stuff but sometimes there's a little bit more to it I guess the important thing to keep in mind though is that most women really do get better after it Mm -hmm. Um, and they go on to live, you know, fulfilling lives, even if a trauma has happened to them. So it can be awful and it can be really hard. And, you know, sometimes it can take months, especially physically. I'm just like all these different clients are going through my head as we're talking. Mm. I had a client who um, who was told that her pelvic floor was fine, but it really wasn't. She had problems with anything to do with the toileting process and urinating and and all of those things and so we got her to get another opinion and she got some like a pelvic floor specialist physio mm-hmm. and you know things were so much better and then that's intimacy stuff with your partner potentially as well gets affected yeah um and maybe if your partner is a guy he doesn't and I don't, whatever sex your partner is doesn't really understand that all of that area down there has been um, affected in such a massive way. We need our we need the partners to be really patient, um, especially with resuming intercourse and all that sort of stuff. Mm. So sometimes to helping them develop other ways of being intimate and close without the pressure for that, without the pressure for that um, that vaginal intercourse is probably a really good idea as well. So they sort of maintain connection, but there's an understanding and patience and and maybe even some humour mixed into that possibly to help the couple feel okay. Hmm. Yeah. Can you explain what the symptoms are that you may see in women who have had a traumatic birth experience? So you've Hmm. said some physical things like maybe sex is you know, yeah. less enjoyable yeah. or painful. Um, what other kind of things uh, do women experience who have had that traumatic birth? 
Mm. So look, I think there's a range of symptoms. There's probably like more physical or more psychological ones. So the physical might be like just pelvic floor damage or tears or pain on sex, which we sort of talked about a little bit, lower back pain, chest pains, or other sort of physical things and not realising like headaches or um, that sort of thing. So that can definitely happen. And psychological, it can be, it's sort of PTSD, post-traumatic stress type symptoms in a way, but it's more specific to birth-related stuff. So they might get like a really intense fear of any reminders of the birth. It could be a smell of something or words that someone used or um, a specific room or they associate, you know, maybe a stenographer, someone who's doing ultrasound stuff so they don't want to see that person again or even just walking Mm. into a room. I've had a client who had lots and lots of miscarriages and and a lot of trauma um, around that. And then so she had to go back to this same person. Every time she walked in that same room, she'd almost get a panic attack um, and see that person again, the same person who's done the other ultrasounds after the miscarriages. Mm. So the fear of any reminders is a big one. There can be fears about going outside, difficulty sleeping, a lot of feelings of anger about maybe why this hap- why did this happen to me this way when maybe they perceive other women as getting through birth fairly easily, which may not be the case, but that might be how it feels. Um, feelings of failure, like their body let them down, um, they're a bit of a failure as a mum already, that sort of thing can be really hard. And lots of anxiety symptoms in general and maybe mood changes, feeling low, being irritable. And also the attachment stuff with their babies. We see quite a few people who feel a real disconnect to their babies or people around them as well. So I guess we, and I don't think it's an area that we fully understand yet. I think it's an area where there's emerging research all the time. But as women go through labour, they they just, they go through momentous physiological and psychological changes in a really short time frame. So uh, there's lots of things that can happen, but they're, they're probably the main ones, yeah. And you've touched on this a little bit in terms of relationships, but how do these symptoms then affect mm. life uh, and the woman's bonding with her child but also her relationship as well with family and her partner? Mm. Look, I think depending on the severity and, and how much it's impacting on their life, but the whole experience can affect how they feel about just life in general, um, how they feel and act towards other people. Are they, you know, irritable and that's causing more conflict or are they really disconnected and, and withdrawing, you know, and maybe not reaching out to people that maybe could offer them a bit of support, but they just don't feel like it. Um, also how they feel about themselves. So it can affect their life in terms of their identity or their self-esteem and feeling that they're failing, their body wasn't able to to do this in the right way. They can be really hypervigilant too and very much on the alert um, and go through life thinking that another incident or another sort of scary thing is going to happen to them. So they might just be overly cautious and not sort of do their normal day-to-day things that might in fact help them recover, but there's a really good reason why they just can't do those things. 
I guess too they can have trouble, which we've sort of alluded to, about talking about their physical issues after. So that can create a lot of isolation for women um, and it can take months to recover. So they're sort of suffering in silence, which must be incredibly difficult. Mm. Mm. Is it likely to lead to further mental health um illnesses like you've touched on anxiety is a, a common symptom yeah. um, and you were explaining the history of Gidget even and it just kind of draws me back to that kind of idea of this woman mm. who's yeah not being able to talk with someone about her feelings and stresses and, and maybe traumas is that mm. quite likely that it kind of is it its own mental health illness childbirth trauma or is it something that leads to a mental health illness I think it can be both I mean it's not yeah. like a medically diagnosed condition in our little manual that psychologists and clinical sites <laughs> use for diagnosis but it's it's an it's like an incident it's something that's happened to them and depending on so many things like what support they get what their partner's like if they have one um, personality things past traumas they've been through potentially and just the severity of what happened in their perception of that so they could just recover from that it might take a little bit of specialist help or not or a bit of you know support from friends um, and then they might recover from this and that's just like an isolated incident that's maybe had some repercussions that need dealing with but we definitely know that those who have had a birth trauma are probably more likely to develop some sort of um, perinatal anxiety and depression afterwards as well. So it might lead you to be more susceptible to it, but that's got a, it's um, very sort of dependent on what happens. So in Australia at the moment, one in three births are identified as traumatic. And it says in some of the research I was looking at, about 6% go on to develop clinically diagnosable PTSD. Um, and with that, you get things symptoms around anxiety and depression as well so it can be the stressor that leads to the development of other clinically diagnosable conditions does that make sense yeah yeah and yeah. so the difference between like people would have heard of ptsd because of like the that like wars and mm. Um, mm. military and things like that yeah. what's the difference between ptsd and p postnatal depression pnd in terms of yeah. women and childbirth yeah, so PTSD is a diagnosable condition in itself and, and it can develop, again, due to a perceived stressor or scary incident. But it can also develop when you are watching someone else go through something really scary. So it's, um, but the symptoms are a little bit different. You might get intrusive dreams, flashbacks, um, but but some are also similar. Similar, You'll get negative beliefs about the world or not wanting to talk about stuff. You might get memory lapses around the birth process, um, extreme distress around smells and sounds. So some things are sort of similar mm. um, and it can go on. I mean, PTSD, untreated, can go on for a long time. But also, again, a bit like birth trauma, it can also recover by itself with if that person is able and has coping skills and a lot of resilience and supports, they can sort of recover without specialist help. So there are some sort of similarities, uh, but some differences as well. I guess the symptoms are more related to, in birth trauma, related to things around the birth. Mm -hmm. um, whereas the symptoms around PTSD can be anything. You can get just like a generalised anxiety for absolutely everything around you, be on the alert for everything. Um, so that's quite different. 
with with perinatal anxiety and depression, it often takes time to set in. So I think with birth trauma stuff, it's pretty fast. Like you've gone through it, it hits you a bit, you're in the shock of it all, it happens. PTSD can take a while to sort of develop and and reach its full sort of force, if you like. Um, And perinatal anxiety, depression, same sort of thing. It can take time to set in. We know that it often starts even during pregnancy but may not be noticed or sort of identified until after the birth. And that's sort of more consistently low moods, fatigue, no motivation for life, no joy, um, sleep and appetite sort of disturbances and even suicidality. So, and then it's accompanied by anxiety as well. So some things are similar, but some things are really, really quite different about that as well. Mm. What, um, what would be some of the reasons that women experience this type of trauma? So we've talked about some physical things where there might've been like trauma to the pelvic floor that then was misdiagnosed. Um, but then you can Mm. imagine there's also like the, the fear of, um, maybe themselves or the baby dying, like an actual physical emergency that has happened that can be traumatic. Mm. And then we've also talked about like just women's experience and feelings towards something that may look on paper like it went well, but Mm. it's just their perception was that it was traumatic. What kind Mm of, um, yeah, experiences have you seen that women find traumatic from childbirth? Mm. Well, look, emergency births, I think, is one of the bigger ones, right, where it was an it was it was an unexpected, unplanned birth, and you know how women are encouraged to make birth plans now, and mm. um, and especially with COVID, that's been especially difficult because um, we haven't been able to follow the birth plans that that these women are sort of hoping for and planning. So any sort of expectation, if you have really high expectations and a very rigid plan that's not flexible, that can make things more traumatic if it doesn't turn out as well but look emergency births can be just so frightening where the baby's being taken away and separation from the mother the mother doesn't really know what's going on maybe she's a bit out of it as well maybe she had excessive hemorrhaging after the birth so all of Mm. those things would be very scary and frightening Um, and partners being absent maybe as well like just not having a support person with you lots of medical people coming and going perhaps um, and medical issues, like I said, hemorrhaging, the baby not breathing, and poor medical care, and not being able to maybe in your state of trying to give birth, not being able to advocate for yourself about what you do and don't want. And then even though you may have already communicated that to your the staff on who are helping you deliver this baby, they may not follow that advice. Um, I had a, a client who was only 27 weeks pregnant, went in thinking she was going into labour and it was communicated sort of via telephone to a specialist that she was 37 weeks, not 27. So that specialist then um, recommended that they induce labour. So, and that that all happened, right, and this baby ended up dying. So that was absolutely huge and a lot of negligence and, oh, just absolutely horrific. So that's... One of the worst sort of clients that I've been been with 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 mm. that, um, I guess feeling overwhelmed by the event and past traumas being reawakened that sort of thing. Like I said about sexual assault and yeah. just feeling totally out of control again in that medical environment can also bring that up and not being listened to. 
Um, sometimes women are not listened to enough in medical things. They might say, I feel something's wrong and some of the medical staff are not really taking that on board maybe seriously enough. Um, and obviously stillbirths and, and baby being born with a disability, I think they're the sort of main ones that we see. Yeah. Hmm. It's, it covers a lot and it, it's a bit shocking, isn't it? How? Um, yeah. Yeah, like you said, did you say one in three mm. women, yeah, report yeah. their birth experience as negative. So that's pretty horrible to hear. It is, isn't it? Like it's really common, but I think also yeah. we're not. It's a bit like the perinatal depression anxiety. There's not enough allowance and acknowledgement and sort of acceptance that it's okay to have a really rough time. It's okay to say you didn't really like that experience. You know, it's okay to say I'm not feeling love towards this baby. Like it's just not happening um, and it, it's totally understandable, especially if someone has a birth trauma. Yeah, it's mm. exactly. And making that conversation mm. okay because, like, in, mm. in the podcast, I'm very um, happy to share how amazing my birth experience is. But, yeah, I think that can almost right. run people up the wrong way a lot of the time if they haven't had that positive birth experience, as you can imagine, because, yeah, mm. it, it is a feeling of loss for them or they might feel some uh guilt that they're yeah like their body didn't do what it was meant to do or something like that and and I think that's really hard and we do somehow need to make that conversation okay that women are allowed to say that they had a horrible experience and and to reach Mm. out for the help uh to get to get past that I guess as well um yeah Mm. Mm. absolutely do you have any tips on how um women can be recovering from that kind of traumatic birth experience Mm. Look, I think the first thing is just give yourself time to pause and sort of reflect on it if you can, <laughs> um, if you have time and if you're <laughs> able to and, and you and you want to, um, and write it down. Sometimes, like I said before, writing it down can actually really help work out what happened. And then through that writing down, you can see if you want to talk about it further, mm. you know, or do you need to address someone? Do you need to go back to maybe the medical professionals who didn't follow what you asked and maybe write the hospital a letter? I encourage people to do that, you know, or talk to their partners about, well, it was all very well for you to put that music on, but that was just like driving me nuts mm-hmm. and and therefore all this stuff happened and then you went and got something and you totally missed the birth and then you weren't there and you weren't able to help me. Like I think some sort of open conversation with your partner or your birthing support people can sometimes help, just some sort of recourse and and being able to to talk about what didn't go quite right, you know, in some way that you can. Mm. I think that seeing your midwife or your obstetrician if you have one or GP, if you have any injuries or pain that doesn't feel right, anything that you're worried about, get it seen to because I guess the earlier the intervention the sort of faster recovery I think too Um, and really just understanding there is no shame or blame in this I think that if they sort of can feel that and take that on board a little bit more it might help them get some support for whatever they're going through and for each partner to understand their reactions everyone's reaction is different and be patient it's a bit like the grief and loss sort of process like even though your partner might be there he may have felt oh you know it went okay she got through yes there was a bit of bleeding and stuff but baby's all right she's all right all right you know off we go Mm. whereas she may have such a different perception of actually what happened so I guess some conversation around that and understanding that everyone's stuff is different so finding a trusted friend to talk to and if that's not enough 
and the thoughts are very consuming, you're not settling in a few weeks, I would reach out to a birth trauma specialist um, or a perinatal specialist and really try and work out how they and, and when we can help you. Mm. You've touched mm. on partners or, or dads as well, and often we forget about mm. uh, them in the in the childbirth experience. We're always focused on mum, but um, often yeah. it can be that dads have looked on and found it actually quite a traumatic experience too. How common is birth trauma for the partner? Look, I don't think we have stats on that. I think that we are developing more and more research now about the importance of fathers in the perinatal period, which I think is fabulous. I think we're learning how to screen dads more than ever before during pregnancy and after. And at Gidget Foundation, we're placing a real emphasis on that at the moment. Uh, We want to make sure we screen dads because we know that if we screen them, or not just dads but partners, then we know the women who are going through perinatal anxiety, depression, will recover faster. We know that about one in 10 dads will get some sort of perinatal anxiety, depression, whether that's related to, you know, the adjustments to to life, taking on a new role, financial stresses, or not being able to look after themselves physically, maybe like they used to, or maybe even being in a, a traumatic birth situation. So we know they get affected. And if they see their partner suffering or almost dying or something happened to the baby, like it, it can be really, really difficult So I guess the more involved we need to be really thinking about how this is impacting on the partners and dads and understanding their role and doing more to sort of help them as well. Mm. Um, You mentioned screening antenatally, like in the pregnancy. Is that for the women that you're seeing Mm. antenatally as well who maybe already have some symptoms of perinatal anxiety or depression or something like that? Yeah, look, if women come to us during during the time they're pregnant, we, we do a couple of tests that sort of give us some idea about is anxiety, stress or depression sort of more happening for them. Um, and it's sort of, there's sort of worldwide evidence-based screening and we can use very similar ones for the dads as well. But we don't always see people during pregnancy. I guess if they're going to maybe one of the private hospitals in Sydney, they they might. We've got a, new, uh, uh, a wellbeing program that through the Marta and North Shore Private in Sydney and we know that our emotional wellbeing program that happens there is run by Gidget-trained midwives and we know that if they're screened, they they sort of refer to us for follow-up with the women. In the public system, women are also screened for any sort of depression, anxiety as well. But I think the focus needs to shift a little bit to include the men and and the partners now. Mm. Anyway, and also involving the partners or dads in those uh, the post-birth appointments together is a really good idea as well as the ones before and I guess that gives us an opportunity or any health professional to see how that partner is going or supporting the the to-be mum or the mum and just keeping communication open. So I think we can involve dads a little bit more and I think that helps them attach to the pregnancy and baby and the bonding stuff and, and all of that too because dads can sometimes feel a real disconnect. Yeah. Hmm. Is there, I guess, anything in particular you'd want um, those of us who haven't experienced birth trauma to know or the partners and the fathers or, yeah, how we can properly be supporting and caring for friends who are feeling those negative experiences Mm. and a bit of trauma towards the birth? Look, I just think asking them, you know, how it was. If you've got that sort of relationship already and you can ask them pretty directly, maybe they'll tell you uh, or listen 
for maybe what they're not saying, which is another one of Gidget Foundation Australia's taglines, because often it's what not is said is really important. You like reading between the lines. Mm. So I think listening to them, asking what you can do practically, maybe you can get, you know, get them some shopping or drop around a meal, like some sort of practical help while they're resting and recovering is really good. And checking in often, being involved as much as you can with whatever sort of relationship you have with that person. And maybe educating yourself too around birth and birth trauma, if that's what you would like to do, Uh, that would sort of help you understand a little bit about what they're going through. And if you weren't in the room and you missed it, you can ask what happened so you can understand what that person's been through. So sort of acknowledge the pain, give practical help, be patient, kind, offer some care um, and help them know that maybe if they don't know, help them know some resources that are available to help them, such as the Gidget Foundation or the Birth Trauma website, um, Panda, has counsellors that you can ring and speak to or go to their GPs. Um, The Australian Birth Trauma Association also has a Facebook group that people can join and talk about their experience and get support, as well as um, the Centre of Perinatal Excellence in Melbourne or COPE in Melbourne or the Gidget Foundation um, Australia-wide. We can definitely help you as well. Awesome. I'll um, make sure I... Uh, record all those resources in the show notes so people can get access to them if they're keen to find out more. Um, I just want to finish off, I guess, with this um, last question. Mm -hmm. I've read that research suggests women who have had a negative birth experience are less likely to go on and have more children. Mm -hmm. Um, So if someone has had a traumatic birth experience but is still eager to have more children, what would you recommend are some steps that, that can prepare them as they approach labour and birth again. Yeah, I think this is really common, isn't it, especially from our experience about women saying, you know, I don't know if I can do this again, especially if they're still recovering from the first. Sometimes with a bit of time, the memory sort of protects us and you forget a little bit about what you've been through, you know, for any sort of trauma. But I think especially if women are planning their next baby, it's very common for them to um, reconnect with Gidget again so we can talk with them. So I think... You talk it through during pregnancy or even before about what it was like, what's left over from you from that experience, and then how can you maybe make it different next time. Some people will go to like different specialists because they don't want to face the same people. Or some people will trust their specialists and understand it was nothing to do with them um, for whatever reason and go back to them and then ensure that it's different. Some people have had a really... um, traumatic vaginal birth will choose a cesarean you know and they will plan that just Mm. before the due date so they've got a little bit more control over what happened they can plan for that if they've got another child they can plan for care for that little person so everyone is different Um, I think you've just got to try and make a choice that you feel that you can manage and physically what you can manage Having realistic expectations is often a really good idea as well. Okay, you know, okay, that happened last time. Maybe my expectations were just way off in terms of what I thought would possibly happen. So trying to create a bit more flexibility around the next time and creating a good support network, um, being flexible with that birth plan I think is really important, learning some meditation or breathing if that's your thing. And teaching your sort of birth partner to be an advocate for you if that didn't happen last time. So if you, for whatever reason, can't speak up, 
you have someone there who's able to and making that very clear with your health professionals before as well. Um, finding out what went wrong, you know, getting some sort of meaning or sense around that last time or understanding can sometimes help. Um, and finding some sort of continuity of care during pregnancy I think is really important and maybe having the same people see you through the next pregnancy and make them aware of what happened and, and letting them know what your fears and, and hopes were and, and are and then your preferred choices. Now that's probably the main things I can think of for things to sort of prepare you for another one. Yeah, there's... I was nodding along to all of them. I kept being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> I, um, I'm glad you touched on continuity of care as well because you're talking about mm. having this support system that knows your fears and, and your hopes and what mm. has happened in the past and what you were worried about or what you're, you're worried about going into it. So you do want that continuity of care because then that support person or team is with you and they know going into the birth, how to properly support you as opposed to just like turning up and meeting someone on the day and trying to explain like, this is what happened last time and all of that when you're in labor kind of thing. Yeah, so yeah That can exactly. be really difficult. But, yeah, I think mm. that's a really important point, the continuity of care. Mm. Um, awesome. Well, I – I feel like you've covered heaps. Um, I kind of jumped around a lot. I'm sorry about that. But, yeah, I kept being oh, like, Claire, yeah, what can fun. I think about this? <laughs> well, you had the most awesome amount of questions and it was such a pleasure to talk with you and, and to try and, you know, just increase the understanding of awareness of birth trauma out in the community. Oh. So very appreciative. We offer um, 10 free counselling sessions just to add in the Gidget Foundation Australia so people can contact us. We have a website. Um, phone numbers and I know you can put that on your show notes yeah um, yeah your show notes as well which would be great so they can get a mental health care plan through their GP and then we can see them um, 10 times um, at the moment obviously telehealth with everything going on yeah. but also face to face so and we do a lot of counseling for any issues or anything in that perinatal period meaning like during pregnancy and up to the first year after the baby is born Fantastic. Yeah, I'll definitely share that information in the show notes. Um, it sounds like a great opportunity. The 10, 10 visits is really important and it kind of gives you the the go ahead or the kick up the bum to actually be like, yeah, I'm not feeling 100% about this. It might actually be helpful to talk, talk it through with someone. Yeah, um, and like it doesn't have to be like a diagnosable condition. If anyone mm. is just worried and wants to talk it through, that's what we're here for as well. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Mm. Awesome. Is there anything else that you wanted to slip into this conversation um, that I may have missed or that you think is important uh, when we're talking about trauma around childbirth? I just think the most important thing to keep in mind is that you'll get better um, yep. and most women go on to lead fulfilling lives even if they have been through a birth trauma and to make sure that every birth experience is different, valid, worthy of acknowledgement um, and some good treatment if necessary. So that that's probably a good thing to sort of end on. Mm. Perfect. Well, Chris, thank you so much again for today, uh, for giving up your time and, um, yeah, sharing your wisdom and thoughts around this topic. I've really appreciated it and learnt a lot from, yeah, what you've shared already today. Thanks, Claire. It was an absolute pleasure. I hope you found today's episode interesting and have learnt a lot through it. If you're keen to follow up with some of the resources Chris mentioned, make sure you check out the show notes for links. 
And if you're enjoying the podcast, please give it a five-star rating and positive review over at Apple Podcasts so that more parents can get access to this information. If you're wanting to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at Mum Will Know. And I'm always eager to hear your thoughts and feedback. So make sure you you let me know what's going on. Um, Yeah, and I hope you all have a fantastic week. I will catch you next Tuesday with another episode.